1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Red Raider Nation. My name is Joe and I am with the Cotton Club crew coming to you on this Saturday, one week before football kickoff. I am joined here with my pal, Reed, who's kind of been away from the scene a little bit of time, you know, kind of handling a new job change. Everybody kind of knows what that's like. Um, so it's great to have Reed back on the programming with us, and we expect him to be along with the with the rest of the crew moving forward as we roll into football season, as Tech sports start ramping up, and that's Tech football. Then going into the men's and women's basketball programs, you know, all these things are finally coming full circle after this 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 seems like forever hiatus of Tech sports that we've kind of been missing. So. Reed, how are you doing this afternoon, sir?
0: Doing good, man. It's first day of, uh, first day of college football. Not really uh, the greatest action on right now, as mentioned beforehand. Uh, Notre Dame's currently at 42 to0 over, um, over Navy, so uh, not, not a lot to be going on until we got Red Raiders coming into play next next weekend. Obviously, a lot of people, including myself, are a little bit more excited than, um, than I'd probably normally say going into a football season for tech. Uh, a little bit of anticipation building up, so just looking to see what we're uh, what we're able to do this year, man. That sounds great, man. Sounds great. Like I said, great to have you back
1: back joining us, man. We missed your voice, so great to have you back with the crew. Um, I just wanted to touch base with you guys before we actually started this pod regarding you know all of the Texas Tech football you know base predictions from us moving forward what to expect, what not to expect. We've kind of touched on offense and defensive things prior to this recording. So, I mean, this, this is just going to be a whole collective of everything. Um, but just wanted to touch base with, with everybody regarding a, a promotion that's going on with our network that we use. We use Fans First Sports Network. And they are running a promotion for people who want to go to a free NFL football game. That's right, I said it—a free NFL football game. Four tickets and upwards of value of five thousand dollars to any first home game, picking, choosing team of your of your want and desire. I guess per se, whatever you want to do. Fans first sports network will give you five k for four tickets to go see the Jets play, to go see your Cowboys play, to go see your Chiefs play, whoever. So it's pretty simple to actually to actually enroll yourself or put your name in the hat with this contest. It's for free. So there's no charge or anything. You don't have to donate money to us. You don't have to do anything with anything to do with that. All you have to do is go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. I repeat, contest.fansfirstsports.com. Fill out the appropriate information, and that's it. You're entered in the drawing. I don't know how many people are actually going to, you know, sign up, so the odds may be in your favor, or there could be a lot of people that sign up. And you know, best of luck, you know. But it's it's free four tickets to an any NFL opening game on Fans First um, Dime. So go check out that link. And what else do you have to lose? Just put your name in the hat and see what else could happen. So that's from our our guys at Fans First. Go to that website and see if you can win yourself some tickets. Now jumping into the Texas Tech front. A lot of expectations going into this season. A lot, a lot of expectations. You come into the year two of the brand coming off of an eight and five season. You you have all this momentum you have all these returning players on the offensive side all these returning players on the defensive side you and there hasn't been it much more um i don't know how to say this just electricity is is the word i'm going to use electricity that's just kind of flowing through the texas tech football team right now and it's great to see it's great to see and i i I, I know they're ready to lace it up. I know they're ready to get out on that field next Saturday and show everybody, show all those naysayers, show everybody that this wasn't a fluke. We're here to stay, new Big 12 be on lookout because this is gonna become Texas Tech's house. Now, is that gonna happen? I don't know, but it sure seems as hell like there's a lot of momentum going our way and there's, there's nobody in that building at the Jones in the training room and everything that doesn't believe that they could win the Big 12 championship this year, that would be badass, a hundred percent. So it's it's great it's great to be in Lubbock while all of this is happening. We are one week away, about almost one week to the hour that where we kick off in Laramie against the Cowboys of Wyoming. So. Um, just starting off with this one, Reed, based on kind of everything that you've seen, read, heard, what are your, um, how would I say this, what are, what are you feeling like, what what does tech need to do year two to kind of jump up or elevate their game an extra notch to actually really be fully considered
0: in the Big 12 conversation? Yeah, quite a few different routes you can go there. Um, I think the most obvious answer. Many people probably tell you, um, stay healthy at the quarterback spot. It's been a problem for uh, numerous amount of years and numerous different 10 years with um, different quarterbacks, rooms, different different coaches at the helm. Um, it's been it's been like that for what seems like the last decade, really. So, and I think your starter this year and Chuck has shown uh, when he starts a game and he finishes a game it's a good chance he's gonna win the game. So um, I think that's number one priority, obviously easier said than done, but uh, it seems like we've got, from what I've read and what I've heard from the staff, people outside of the staff, it seems like our offensive line is supposed to be worlds better than where it was a year ago, which, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, You keep that where you need to, hopefully that means your quarterback's gonna stay healthy, take some less, be able to take less hits, um, hopefully not running the ball as much because um, it seemed like last year we were we were running the quarterback a lot more than um, what I would have liked, uh, and kind of what it seems like is that was kind of by design because they didn't really anticipate their offensive line being able to hold up as long as they wanted them to, to be able to throw the ball. So uh, hopefully that's a little bit more subdued this year, especially with Shucks' injury history. Um, don't want them taking hits and. You know, outside of that, I think you just kind of slightly improve at every position, which for the most part, I think we should do. Um, You lose a big time player on the defensive line, Tyree Wilson. But everything I'm hearing, again, everything I'm seeing, it says that whole unit across the boards is going to be a lot better. Going six deep across the defensive line, which, you know, we, we played six guys in a season on defensive line, but hadn't been a very solid six. So um you know that's going to be good to see and for the first time in a while i think we've got um our secondary seems to be locked down which is kind of unheard of as well so um we seem to be better at every position seem to have you know cognitive players who've played a lot of football in key spots which is going to be big so um another thing too even within the coaching staff i think you only lost one true uh assistant off the main staff and um, I'm drawing a blank on his name with Emma Jones um, and I think you, you filled him in with um, a great pick and coach juice there so um, everything seems to be flowing you know kind of what you what you'd expect and hopefully in year two they're able to build off what we did last year and go chase the big 12. Yeah with you know with kind of like all these returning
1: pieces you know you have I believe it's nine on the offensive side and I believe it's eight or nine on the defensive side or hell it may be even more than that. I know that those are the starters wise, but as far as people that actually contributed to last year's team, I mean you're getting a bulk, a bulk uh load of people who have played meaningful games in the Big 12. So that to me, that just kind of bodes well for this this team moving forward. All of the experience and I'm talking across the board and just agreeing with you as far as about our offensive line. All of our offensive line are four-year college players or more, um, and that's also with the addition of Rusty Stats, Cole Spencer, uh, moving Dennis Wilburn back over to his his position there at guard, Caleb Rogers on the outside, and then Monroe Mills on the other outside. I mean, this offensive line kind of looks like it's ready to take the next step as far as, you know, what we had last year. You know, there were some times there, especially there in that Houston game where um, there was a particular player on Houston's defensive front who just seemed like he was in our backfield every play, and it made me sick to my stomach as I watched, and I think what Tech has done in the offseason moving forward in some of these pieces that they've added, getting Cole Spencer back, you know, away from that injury that he had last year is just going to, you know, solidify that line, and to your point, you know, you solidify that line and you start solidifying other things, you get, you get shuck upright more times you give him plenty of time back there to just find his one of multiple weapons on the outside or hand it off to one of four capable backs in the backfield with Taj brooks you know getting that bulk load of the carries after sir Roderick left for the left us for the nfl so having said that kind of like we'll transition to some of these players that are coming in We've touched base on it on the offensive preview show like that, um, about like our bigger names, you know, our Loic Funchies, our Xavier White, our Jared Bradley, our three massive tight ends in Tharp, Cup, and Teeter. You know, some of these guys, I mean, we have just playmakers at every single level on our offensive side. Is there a player that you – necessarily think we should kind of keep an eye on that isn't one of those kind of big time players, your low crunchies, your, your Bradleys, your cups, your Tharps. Is there a particular player that you're looking forward to, to make a, a leap um, to becoming more prominent in Kittley's offense here too?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the route I'll go, he's, he's definitely a household name for people that have watched tech over the last few years. Um, he's kind of battled the injury bug a little bit here and there, but, um, name I'm not hearing a ton of buzz about is miles price. Uh, it seems like, um, me personally, I'm pretty big on uh, what he brings to the table. Um, uh, he's got kind of that street dog mentality. He's an undersized guy, really shifty. He's got some speed once he gets in open space. So, um, I think if they can you know, find a way to use him in the slot a little bit, um, kind of opposite Bradley and fungi. You know, I think that's gonna open up some some windows across the board. Um, if you if you get, get him going, then that's gonna open up the other two and you know, so on and so forth, vice versa. So, um, you know, on top of that, you got a really good running back, Taj Brooks. Obviously, he's you know, I don't I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say the country, but I think he's one of the best returning backs in the Big Twelve to say the least. So um, we know he's capable of helping helping us in in the run game as well as his backups coming in. Um, Cameron Valdez and you know some others who are younger coming up right now. So my pick would probably be Miles Price on the off- offensive side of the ball. Uh, defensively, um, kind of kind of another same mentality for me. Uh, the safety spot, Daedry and Taylor Demerson, been in the system. I think this is at least year four for him. Maybe possibly even year five. Um, he's played a lot of football for us. Uh, he's grown quite a bit from. Um, where he started as freshman year. He was having a transition from playing offense in high school, from what I remember, and um, basically just had to learn the, the defensive back position from scratch at uh, the power five level, which is no easy task. So uh, he's been a steady force. And again, like Miles, he's got that street dog mentality. Doesn't think anybody's bigger than him. Um, plays up to his competition. So I think those two guys are, are both leaders on and off the field. Um, in the locker room, they're pretty vocal. So, um, I'd be kind of curious to see how, how those two pan out. And um, while they're not, not being talked about, at the same time, I don't feel like they're at the top of many people's lists. So um, I like those two guys to do something good for us this year. Yeah, stepping in with that leadership kind of
1: mentality is always huge for any program that has the kind of youth there. You know, you have to have these guys, you know, setting the standard. Obviously, the coaches are going to, you know, Bring it to the table, and then the rest of the players are going to have to feed it within the within the team because you know a a big part of the brand is just taking accountability. You know, the hardest, most toughest team you know in the country. You know, it's 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 there, and this is part of those steps to get there. And you having those guys like your your Demerson Taylor and your Taj Brooks, your Tyler Shucks, you know these old vet guys who've been around. For a very long time, you know, these are guys that you lean on for such things. And then you're you're replacing, like in Taj's case, you have Sir Roderick Thompson that you're coming in. And we're not asking you to be Sir Roderick Thompson. We just want you to be the best version of Taj Brooks and then just elevate your – your leadership role. And it looks like, and seems by all accounts that Taj Brooks has done that this off season, knowing that he is going to be the featured back in Kitley's office off offense. So that's great to see. And then as far as, you know, pertaining to our defensive backfield, you know um, it's, it's age across the board. I mean, you have Malik, you have Tyler Owens, you have Demerson, or Rabbit, let just call him Rabbit because everybody else calls him Rabbit, and then you should have Rashad Williams there. And then you still have some other guys back there, you know, biting, like, to get in that may make impacts as well that have also played the game. And, and uh, Braylon, Braylon Lux, the transfer from San Diego State, if I'm not mistaken. he I mean, these guys are coming in and just transforming our team from the inside out buying into the brand, buying into the system and buying into the process and trusting everything that they've been taught to make tech a true contender, you know, in the Big 12. And you know, there's no bigger cases in September 9th, but we're not going to talk about September 9th per se just because we're not we're taking care of one game at a time. Right now, as of 430 on the 26th, we are all eyes on Wyoming. All eyes in Laramie. All eyes on the Cowboys, and I think that's going to be whenever we take that step to letting everybody know that we're we're the real deal. So we'll get it more into that whenever we get into our schedule, go over and things like that. But switching sides of the ball now, going onto the defensive side. Obviously, we know about the big guys that we lost. Obviously, there's no bigger. And and I mean that figuratively and you know just the truth. Tyree Wilson, a freaking huge human, our our star on our defensive line, losing him to the NFL. And then also, which another loss that you know we're not so much talking about, are our two Ks back there, Krishan Merriweather and Kosi Eldridge there. So we have three three big pieces on our defensive side that we needed to replace. Obviously, you know, Tyree Wilson's shoes to fill by themselves is, is such a huge feat. But I think in the numbers game, we may potentially have the pieces there. And then, you know, we're kind of youthful more on the, on the linebacker side of the ball. I believe that we're moving Josiah inside to the middle. And then we're going to, I believe, Jacob Rodriguez is going to get the first crack at at that other linebacker position. So a lot of shoes to fill there. As, as a defensive whole, what would you like to see that this defense does a little bit better moving forward from year one under DeRooter to year two under DeRooter's defense? What would you like to see changes made, or what would you like to see maybe not so much changes made as far as just like a jump up from what they did last year what do they need to sharpen their edge with to, you know, go on to that next step to potentially being an elite caliber defense?
0: Yeah, I think it really just it just starts with consistency. Um, I mean, I can I can think about a few instances last year where um, defense is the entire reason we're in a game, and there's other reasons. The defense is the entire reason. Um, we're, we're still in a game because we're, we can't keep the team from scoring at times. So um, across the board, consistency is really what I'm looking for. Obviously that's a lot easier said than done. Everybody wants consistency in, in every aspect. That's what you, that's what you look for, for, you know, to build, build success and try and get better in certain areas. But our, uh, our, our secondary, even though it was much improved last year from um, recent memory statistically it was still not very good in the past game. So, I would like to think with uh, the older guys we've got in the secondary, we got four veterans at every spot, and in, in the starting four secondary positions, I like to think we we'd be able to you know rank ourselves a little bit higher in, in the past game defense uh, category. Um, not necessarily looking for top five in the nation or anything, but you know let's get inside the top one hundred would be would be nice at least. So, I think if you look for a jump there, and then you you're gonna have to look for. Um, really just an alpha in the linebacker group. I think that's the most unproven and or uh, most, most questioned group on the team at this point in time, based off of, of what I've read and, you know, just the, the lack of starting experience within those three uh, doesn't mean they can't do it. Cause I know, you know, I mean, they've, they've all played relatively heavy minutes at certain points, just not in a starting role. So uh, all three of them can do it. It's just going to be more of a challenge. to try and get them all on the same page. Um, and I'm I'm sure there's there's other guys that can rotate in and out to, um, you know, A, keep fresh legs, and B, vie for for a starting spot if someone's not getting the job done. So um, there's a couple different routes, and obviously I think your your defensive line's probably your best group back there, maybe your secondary. I'm not sure which, but it seems like coaching staff's really high on those front six for the the defensive line. So I think if they're able to generate more pressure – um, across the line, obviously last year with Tyree Wilson, he he provided quite a quite a heavy lift, but that was only on one side of the line. So um, we're able to get more than one guy heavily involved. Um, I just did a, an article last week on on Miles Cole. I'm pretty big on him. Uh, he's obviously got pretty much identical stature to Tyree Wilson. If we could just get him to take a level a level jump and you know just be a be a fraction of what Tyree Wilson was on one side and have Steve Linton on the other and, you know, have your two big uh, big veterans up the middle fill some gaps. I think that's going to do a, a lot of damage for us and uh, kind of help the guys on the back end as well. So uh, just plainly, plainly simple put and just, you know, be more consistent. Obviously, that's what everybody wants. But I think if you're able to stay consistent on that side of the ball, I think our offense is going to be good enough to uh, outscore most opponents. So uh, they're going to get a pretty, uh, pretty heavy test week two. With, uh, with Oregon coming to town, obviously we know what they bring with, with Bo Nix and you know that high-flying powered offense, but got to take care of week one against Wyoming, which if I'm being fully honest, I have no idea what what their season outlook looks like. They could go 12-0 or they could go 0-12. I have no idea what they're supposed to do, so um, I'm hopeful that we got eyes on them and we're not looking ahead. Yeah, it just
1: seems like you know we have all the pieces there. You know, you have your just like to your point, you the center anchor points, you and Hutch and the mayor himself. And then you have Miles Cole on one side, and by all accounts and what everybody's saying in camp and coming from camp, Miles Cole is a larger human being than Tyree Wilson, which is crazy. Just saying that and just trying to to picture that that he is an actual bigger person than Tyree Wilson is is baffling you know and then just to your point as well you have steve linton on the other side um, uh, which is which to the world i mean he's he's a great player and but i think he's flying under the radar a bit i don't think people quite know his name in a vast majority of like all football circles you know across the nation about a potential of him being that great i know that he was on a top 100 transfers list kind of deal but he you know wasn't talked about highly highly so i think he has a whole lot to prove but if you go back and look at steve linton's tape from syracuse i mean you see the flashes there now you add those flashes with a veteran line um that's a little deep look out you know he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones there at the edge as long as he sets that edge i mean it we could be feasting on the defensive front. And I can't remember the last time that we were able to actually say that, that our defensive front was like the anchor and the the heart and soul of of this, of a defense for Texas tech, you know? So, and then we still have guys like the, the feel good stories of the Bryce Ramirez coming back from that gruesome, gruesome injury that he sustained at North, Car- North Carolina state last year. And by all accounts, he had been cleared to practice over a couple of weeks ago, and he's looking to play meaningful minutes. And there's been reports out there of Joey McGuire saying that if, if Bryce Ramirez stayed healthy the entire year, Tyree Wilson would have had four or five extra sacks on the year. And that's, that's huge, getting that kind of praise from McGuire. So, I mean, I, I feel right now that this defense is in a good spot. You solidify that front. It gives you a little bit more flexibility in the linebacker corps to kind of find that match of who you're going to have back there. But I I believe we have the guys there that are starting in Jacob Rodriguez and, and Josiah Pierre, guys who could flat out run sideline to sideline. And then you would start adding these guys in there, the Steve Lintons in the the Bryce Ramirez is your um all of the other all the other pieces there up front. There's just it's, it's a deep group. It's a deep, deep group, and it's just like it's 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 good. You know, if we could start getting pressure on the quarterback and we start, you know, stopping runs and things like that, then, you know, that just gives DeRuiter all these different avenues that he could play a defense, you know, after the fact. So um, it's going to be real good and real interesting to see how that all plays out. But, you know, just like on the offensive side, we have all these pieces – And key components on our defense, you know, to take that level, you know, from mediocrity to just maybe not quite an elite defense because, you know, Georgia would be essentially the standard there. But just somewhere in the middle of the pack, you say, hey, whenever we need a meaningful stop, we're going to get it whenever we need this or somebody to make a play on that defensive line, we we could get it like it's not one of those things like, hey, well, we better get ready to score 70 so we could, you know, outscore them because they're going to put 65 up. You know, I don't believe and feel that this defense is going to be like that. I believe that they're going to take the next step, you know, to solidifying themselves, you know, on the top half, better defenses in the, in the, in the country, and then in the conference as well. So maybe if they take leaps there, then, the sky's the limit as far as this tech team could go. And then, you know, that also just goes tied in with health, which is that what something everybody kind of deals with. So we kind of just, you know, we'll see what happens, but I feel really, really good on the defensive side of the ball. And rightfully so. Moving on towards, um, I guess, the special teams kind of guys, you know, we didn't get to talk about it. Um, there's only just the kicker that I guess we would really need to worry about so so much because I mean we don't have the luxury of having those guys back there that we used to, and we don't have we don't have no more wool, and it that those are big shoes to fill, and it seems like Gino has taken the next step to becoming that guy, um, hitting some long long field goals in practice. And by all accounts, everything has been going great for this kid. In your eyes, how big is it to have another kicker come in and be one of those guys that could come in and make the big kick when you need it? how How crucial is that to have um, for Tech season this year, moving forward?
0: Yeah, I mean it's huge, really. Uh, if you think about the last two years, both with Garibay and with uh, with Wolf. I can picture a handful of times where, um, if you don't make a kick, you, you're not going to win the game. Uh, and, I mean, beat Texas on a last-second field goal a year ago. Uh, Wolf hit a you know pretty lengthy one to send us to overtime with Houston a year ago, and a game you probably shouldn't have won to begin with. Um, you know, I'm trying to think you know of other times really, but. Uh, with Garibay at Iowa State, or with Iowa State two years ago, winning that on that last second field goal from uh, from Idleo that <laughs> he hit basically from midfield. Um, I mean, it's it's huge to have weapons like that. It kind of alleviates some some pressure off of your offense. If you know you once you hit a certain certain yard marker, you pretty much get a guaranteed three. Um, so alleviates some some stress off them, gives them a little bit more freedom to do what they think they need to do to get the ball in the end zone. So. Um, I don't necessarily expect Geno to be at the level that Wolf and uh, and, and Garibay really were at, because both of them by the end of the year were, we're you know top top conference contenders for um, better kickers in the conference and or the nation. So um, it's it's tough to sh- fill some shoes like that, but if he can just come in, and knock down stuff that you need him to make, then um, that's that's really what I'm worried about. And I don't expect him to go out there and make um, 65 yarders or anything. So. Um, hopefully, at that point, our offense is doing good enough, putting the ball in the end zone, and not have to uh, run on them too heavily. But again, if you have them in your back pocket, it makes everybody else's job that much easier.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. You know, you have you have the tools, just like you said, on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you know it alleviates some of the stress that we have to put on a kicker to where we don't have to use him for those sixty two plus yard field goals you know in the jones or wherever we may be playing at the time so it's good to have that kind of safety valve because you know you're not always going to play your best ball offensive or defensively they're going to be grind games where it's going to be either high scoring low scoring it's just going to be that's how football works you know the iowa state game last year is a perfect example of that i mean it was just a grinded out street fight toe to toe blow for blow and you know we just did enough to win the game no we didn't have to use a 62 yard field goal to to solidify that w but you know to your point is about the Houston deal or the Texas game or the OU game you know if we miss those field goals what are the potential outcomes moving forward do we get a bowl game do we not get a bowl game you know the season you know kind of hinges on some of these kicks so i believe i believe that if we're able to do more on the offensive side of the ball that alleviates any pressure that we need to put on gino but i do believe also that he does have all of the makings of a great kicker um, to where if we do need him in those street fights that he will you know He'll come through, you know, he'll he'll be in there. I believe Maguire has all the trust in the world in this kid. I believe he could he could do some things when called upon. So we'll just kind of see what happens with that. You know, it's you know, that's that's football, you know, big kicks. I mean, you it's just like NFL kickers. You you're paid to do one thing. Like you don't you're not allowed to make mistakes because that's just not how it happens. You know, you could drop a pass as a receiver, you could miss a route as a quarterback, you know, you could do all these things and those things are forgiven, you know, because they happen. But as a kicker, it's you kind of don't get that kind of saving grace. So um we'll kind of see what happens there. I do think that we have another good one in Gino after being able to watch, you know, Trey kick all all last year majority of the games and things like that. So I think we're in a great spot a great spot moving forward um as far as our kicking goes. So we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I I, I feel good. Kind of jumping into the schedule now, obviously, we know what's happening next Saturday. Laramie, Wyoming, 630 kick. We're, you know, jumping the season off with the Cowboys. Obviously, I'm not going to go and predict that we were going to go beat the brakes off of them. I don't know exactly what Wyoming's bringing to the table, as you kind of alluded to earlier. Um, They could be a, a potential powerhouse. They could be a potential dud in the making. You know, we don't know. Um, We will be talking to a gentleman who covers Wyoming later on this week. So tune in and catch that episode to see, you know, what Wyoming's bringing to the table. But going in, looking into the schedule right now, obviously Wyoming first, and then we have the big game circled September 9th, Oregon, and at the Jones Stadium in Lubbock, Texas. And then you have another game against Charlton State, West Virginia, at West Virginia in Morgantown, which could be the. the coaching farewell tour over there on that side. Um, then we welcome Houston back to Jones Stadium at Baylor, home to Kansas State, at BYU, home to TCU, at Kansas. UCF comes to us, and then we finish the year off in in Austin with the Longhorns on our on their farewell tour to kick them out of the Big 12. Looking at that schedule and going over those teams, what games, in your eyes, are must wins? Which games are are the ones that we can't afford to lose? Which which games kind of give you the where when those games come up on the schedule will kind of keep you up at night, saying ah, we better be kind of ready for that one. You know, some weird things happen at Kansas or some weird things happen in Morgantown. Is there a game that you want to have penciled or a game that you personally have circled as one of those games that kind of gives you, you know, like the butterflies in your stomach, might I say?
0: Yeah, we've really got um, a couple that kind of worry me, honestly. Um, I'll start with Wyoming more or less just because of what's coming the week after. I, I don't anticipate that we're, Looking ahead to Oregon already, just because we we hadn't even played a game yet, we have no idea what um, what's going to happen in, in that situation. But uh, part of me thinks that we could be overlooking this trip because you know Wyoming's not an easy place to play. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do want to say that it is the highest elevated stadium in the FBS. So altitude could could play a factor for for some guys there that aren't used to it. Um, we're run around a lot, it could be you know, out of breath quicker, so on and so forth, have some complications with that. But um, outside of that one, once we get like, kind of into the schedule, uh, main one jumps out to me is at BYU. Um, haven't seen very, very good in anticipation for BYU this year for some reason. Um, but, you know, every season there, it seems like they're always in the mix in, in every game they play. Very rarely are they going to get beat by, you know, more than 10 to 14 if, if, if they're going to lose. So very tough-nosed team, very well coached, very disciplined. So I would anticipate that would be in a pretty big dog dogfight. Um, but outside of that, if you're, if you're looking kind of your, your normal foes, I'd, I'd say it's going to be on the road again at Baylor um, a year ago. I think that was the one game that you really just kind of got trounced in a little bit, uh, which was pretty shocking to see. Um i mean no offense to baylor but at the same time they were they were never really in the conference title race especially towards the back half of the year and uh, it was the program mcguire obviously came from along with a handful of other assistants so you would like to think um either a win that game or b make it a lot more of a closer ball game than it was because i think the score didn't really necessarily really reflect what uh what transpired it seemed like we got we got we prehandling that so like to think we could, we could play Waco in Waco a little bit better than we did last year. So, uh, those two are really the ones that I'm, I'm circling, especially once you get in the middle of conference play. Uh, both can be really tough. Good thing about that Waco game, you're probably going to have a decent amount of Tech fans there, um, especially if we do well up to that point. So, um, but yeah, I think really, I think a lot hinges on the first two weeks. Um, if we get out of those those first two games 2 and 0. And I, would, I, I really think you, you should be able to put the Red Raiders on the map for a potential title race at that point.
1: And that's great. And just to your point as well, I also just looked up the highest altitude stadiums in uh, the country. And you are correct, sir. That does belong to them boys in Wyoming. Yeah, that's going to play a factor. As, as I believe it is Jonah Field at War Memorial Stadium sits 7,220 feet above sea level. And I don't know if you know or if you've ever been up that high above sea level. Air's thin up there. There's no way of mimicking that in Lubbock, Texas, as we are flatter than flat. We're flat, flat, flat. So that potentially, as, as to your point, could play a huge, huge factor. Do I think they're overlooking Wyoming? To obviously look for one of the bigger games in the season this year and early on in the season. No, I don't think so. I think these guys are have the right mindset, have the right mentality. I believe this is these are games that you know it's just next on the list. And as McGuire always says, "What's next?" or "Now who's next?" You know. So what's next right now, or who's next on this schedule is going to be Wyoming. And all of our focus attention is going to be on them. A lot of, you know, a lot of things are going on with game one. Altitude, game one of year two of the brand, you know, a lot of things going into Wyoming. So I believe that this this tech team, you know, with all of its maturity that, that it does have returning back, they're going to be focused and be ready for the Cowboys next, next um, Saturday afternoon or early evening so i do believe that 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 altitude thing could also obviously play a huge factor but then this is also which goes into your your depth chart you know you have these two deep back you're two two to six deep in the wide receiver though i don't want to see baron play i mean other than in these gadget plays or whatever but you know i guess if if um shuck does get winded or we're up by 50. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Barron out there. Barron's going to be a hell of a quarterback here um, moving forward. But, you know, that's for another podcast, another day, maybe even next year. You know, we'll just talk about it then unless, you know, something catastrophic happens to shut, knocking on wood, hoping that doesn't happen. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But I believe this Red Raider team will be ready to go at every, every point Um, This season and just stay focused on what's in front of them and then on to the next kind of deal. So um, we're getting closer to that 40 minute mark on our podcast, which, you know, we thank everybody for listening to us thus far. Um, Reed, I'm going to kick it to you for a couple more questions and then we'll kind of shut this one down for the evening. Say well, we'll just we'll go. We'll play hand in hand. Say Texas Tech starts off 2-0 and to start the season off. If I were to ask you what you're feeling right now if Texas Tech starts off year two of the brand, 2-0, and what are you feeling for the rest of the year after that second win?
0: Big 12 title, man. I mean, that's in the mix at the absolute least at that point. Obviously, I think it depends on how you play in those first two games. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, a win is a win, but are you going to Wyoming winning by, you know, by 28? Are you going beating them on the last-second field goal? Same thing kind of goes with Oregon. Are you beating them handily? Are you having to scrape out a win? Obviously, that's a little bit of a different scenario because uh, of uh, who Oregon is this year. So, um, But aspirations will be huge if we, we come out 2-0. Um, I think our, our schedule is not easy, I would say, but I think it does play – and um, at least the home games play into our favor. I don't think we have anything crazy tough at home, minus um, Oregon. And then um, next best team's probably Kansas State. So at the same time, uh, I think Kansas State's going to be a little bit more or more a little more or less known, in my opinion. I think they lost a decent amount of production, obviously in their backfield, especially. Same thing goes for TCU. Both of them are supposed to be pretty good in terms of preseason aspirations but I won't really you know kind of have that outlook on them personally until I see some some output from new guys that in positions they weren't in a year ago for for both of them so I uh, just to answer your question I mean I, I think there's honestly no reason to think you can't win the big 12 title if, if you start out 2-0 um, beating a perennial I don't want to say perennial powerhouse but same time it's probably about a top 10 team in, in oregon that you uh, you got coming week too so um win both of those and sky's guys win really at that point
1: all right then to play on to that you know worst case scenario we, we go and drop one in laramie we come back to lubbock and we drop one against the ducks you know obviously you don't know how these games are going to play out we don't know how If we do lose both of these games, how do we lose these two games? So if we lose in Laramie and then we come back and drop the home opener in Lubbock against the Ducks, what is your feeling about the rest of the season moving forward? Like we have to clean the slate, start fresh, figure something out, go back to the drawing board. Or you're like, okay, look, we lost to Oregon. That happens. You know, it's Oregon. As to your point, they have – Equally, the talent as we do on paper, they're a well-coached team, you know, for everything that they are. So you could probably live with that one a little bit more than you would live with the Laramie loss to the Cowboys. So after games one and two, you're coming out and you're looking at the record at 0-2. What are your feelings at the, at this juncture with this Texas Tech football team?
0: um first of all be a shock to, to say the least to not win at least one of the first two games um kind of like you mentioned i think a loss to is really not uh i mean it's, it's expected really to say the least it's not like it's going to kill your entire season by any means if you lose that game um i mean even if you lose it by a couple scores i don't think it's a huge problem because of uh, who they are and what they bring to the table um losing at laramie would be very very tough I think that would probably set you back um, decent amount of ways. Um, you'd like to think that would probably help in trying to win the week after, but uh, that really sets you far back. And you know, trying to win a Big Twelve, I don't, I don't really know if that's even going to be on the table anymore if you can't beat Wyoming uh, week one. So, uh, I think it's like I mentioned, it's it's not something I think we're going to look past, but at the same time, it's going to be. Um, I mean, it's a game, that we don't play often. We don't play in Wyoming. We don't play against Wyoming very often either way. So it's going to be a new setting for, for a lot of guys, uh, especially at that altitude, like we mentioned earlier. So um, it makes it uh, makes it a lot more thinner of, of ice to be walking on at that point. If you think you're going make to the, make the Big 12 title, you pretty much have to win, you know, through the entire conference slate at that point, as well as beating Tarleton week three. So, definitely would not be the easiest path to try and continue on where do you think you're, you're supposed to be at by the end of the year if you drop the first two games. Well, a lot's
1: to be said, a lot of football to be played, and obviously the games are won on the field and not on depth charts on a piece of paper on somebody's desk. We kind of know what Texas Tech is bringing. We kind of know what some of these other teams are starting to bring, as far as you know, some of the Big Twelve teams, um, but not so notably not so much on the Wyoming side. Notably, not knowing on the Tarleton State side, uh, we do know what kind of team Oregon has, just based on the brand itself. So, the outlook for this Texas Tech team moving forward: some high expectations. With, I mean, the. The highest of ceilings. I mean, is there a reason to be optimistic? Hell yeah, there's a reason to be optimistic. This team's loaded across the board. I, I don't care. I mean, be a don't agree with me, agree with me. But, I mean, there's not a single guy on this team that can't make a play in college football right now on either side of the ball. We have playmakers. Does that mean shit? No, it absolutely means nothing unless we do something on the field. But do I believe we have what it takes to take the next step? Hell, yeah, I do. And I'll I'll, I'll I'll back that until my face is purple and blue. If anybody ever wants to argue about why this team can't take the next step and potentially be in a national conversation for a Power Six Bowl game. I mean, we have everything that it takes to be there. We just have to go and do it. Um, so, uh, like I said, I'll just kind of leave that at that. I feel Texas Tech is going to take leaps and bounds, um, jump. I'm not saying like they're going to jump from, you know, eight and five team to semi college semifinal game. Now, would I love that? Hell yeah, I would love it. But, I mean, I'm just being realistic. There are some games that happen in the season, and it happens to everybody that some slip, the ball just doesn't turn your way, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's just weathering the storm of those, those games and not making it a habit to have those games continuously happen to where you know you're you're just fighting to get to the the bowl season itself to being always in the bowl conversation and potentially in some of the bigger bowls. So I I firmly believe that Texas Tech is going to take that next step and you know there's a lot of football to, to be had and to be seen out there in in the college landscape and it's going to be a good one obviously it wasn't a good one this this to start it off um as reed was mentioning earlier you have notre dame playing a jv team somewhere and whipping their ass pretty good not the kind of football you want to watch on the on the first week of college football so having said that you know hopefully obviously more teams are playing next week so this we're going to fully kick this party off and then that starts at 6 30. In Laramie, Wyoming, when our Texas Tech Raiders go over to play the Wyoming Cowboys. So that's going to kind of cut out our podcast this evening. Reed, is there
0: anything else that you'd like to add before we cut off for the evening? Man, you know, I think we covered quite a bit, obviously. Um, it's, a, it's a big season, like I kind of mentioned when we got on. Uh, a lot of anticipation going into to what we're looking forward to this year. Um you know I'm really just looking to build off off of the, the year we had last year that's really all you can really expect in, in my mind you, you can't really anticipate um, eight and five to twelve and one can we do that of course we can but at the same time you got to be realistic and no that's a lot harder to do than you know most people make it look sometimes so um, we hadn't done something like that in over a decade and a half so I'm um, just looking forward to to a good solid season. Hopefully we we're able to uh to file some more wins we have recently.
1: Yeah, I think I think this team does have the makings to to be a very, very special team. Does that to you to what you just said, does that mean that we're going to go 12 and one? No, it doesn't. But I mean, do we have the makings for a said, you know, run to happen? Yes, we do. And we have the coaching staff and we have the fan base to back these guys. Um, on on said journey so it's gonna be fun everybody get your popcorn ready be ready get ready for college football because it's back i i can't i can i can't emphasize that enough college football is back red raider football is back touchdown red raiders come on who's not ready to hear that on on the radio let's go so, we are going to cut this out right now. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. We will be hitting you guys with tons of content moving forward mailbags, team previews. We'll be talking to the competition. We'll be talking shit about the competition, game previews. We'll be talking after the game, you know, highlights, what made the game players of the games thing like that just expect a lot a lot of content from us we're trying to build our brand not taking anything away from any other brand that's out there that covers texas tech sports because they're all great we all support them we're in this together but we're just trying to give our perspective a fans perspective not somebody who has insider information something that somebody's not doing here or there we're just a bunch of guys who love texas tech and want to feed you what we feel you could agree with us. You could disagree with us. You could you know, get onto our Twitter. You could throw some questions our way. I mean, we're, we're learning as this goes. We're not perfect, and we don't claim to be. But we are doing this because we all have one thing in common, and that's the love for Texas Tech University. So for Reed and Joe, we are calling this one an evening and look forward to talking to you guys real soon with some more tech content. As game week arrives, take care, everybody guns up and wreck them.